Welcome to the final episode of this series. Yeah, so spoiler warning, but there's not really spoilers for any of these movies except for the second to last one. And I give a heads up before I'm about to spoil it. So you have ample time to skip. Big thank you to Kayleen for doing this series with me. It was so much fun. And I think it the content is terrific. Check out her podcast, We Explain Movies. Watch all these movies on my list. And thank you so much for listening. I'm looking forward to every episode I have to make. Next movie on this list is Inception. 2010, written and directed by Christopher Nolan. Starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Ellen Page, Tom Hardy, Ken Watanabe, Killian Murphy, Marion Cotillard, and Michael Caine. Michael Caine. This is a, a Noli movie, and you love Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to um, to talk about him finally. And I like that this list touches on what I would call Daniel-isms, one of them being like like Michael Fassbender was one of the Daniel-isms, and Christopher Nolan is one of the Daniel-isms. However, I know that... In your most recent talk about him with Kevin, that you're starting to like find things about him you don't love. Yeah, and even before that, we did an episode uh, about him, about his strengths and weaknesses, mm-hmm. and I think he's lost it. A you think bit. he's lost it? Yeah. Tenet, Tenet said that to you. Honestly, Tenet, Dunkirk, Dark Knight, Dark Knight I Rises, hate <laughs> uh, Interstellar. I have problems with I know, all I re- these movies. Yeah. I remember you having a lot of problems with Interstellar. I like Interstellar. Yeah, there's there's a lot to like. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk more about Christopher Nolan, yeah. but that's where I'm conflicted about him. But And I think once you do start to dig into someone in that way, how you were with him, it's like you start to go, okay, like what you're doing seems less profound when I can see the things you always do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, describe the experience of watching this for the first time and who showed it to you? So similar to Inglorious Bastards, we we were so excited for anything Nolan was doing yeah. at the time. After Dark Knight came out, we were we were ready to get in the seat. And the first teaser for this didn't show that much. No. It showed... It showed the, a little bit of the hallway thing, excuse me, and it showed some other crazy dream thing. And Without telling you it was a dream. Exactly. Yeah. So you were, you were thinking, what is he doing? Mm-hmm. And I need to see that. That's exactly how I felt. Uh-huh. So we went and saw it in IMAX, that Ooh. Esquire in Sacramento. Yeah. And it, it blew our minds. Yeah. It, it was wonderful. And it's become one of those movies that, are you in the mood to watch it? Yeah. Yeah. Let's watch it. Yeah. Once a year, at least. That's awesome. What about it puts it on this list? I think it's a blend of... So, what I like about Christopher Nolan is he he does have big ideas. He he loves the, the, the medium of film, too. And so he wants, to f- he wants to film them in an interesting way. So I think it's peak action. It's peak cool Nolan stuff, like... Going into dreams, mm-hmm. going into layers of dreams. Yeah. It created a term, Inception. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, I just thought, um, viewers can't see this, but I brought over a backpack for my laptop, 
And I also have been using like a mini backpack as a purse. And I was thinking if I had it in the other one and pulled it out, it would be backpackception. Backpackception. Just adding section. So it it's peak action. It's so cool. It I I it's great. It's very cool. It just I'm not that as... bar that you mentioned in the beginning, like that itself is a whole mood. It's iconic. Yeah. It it defined the 2010s and how trailers were made and how mm-hmm. music was made afterwards for movies. So yeah, it, it similar to how Terminator 2 is really good in that regard. I would say that this is kind of a modern equivalent of that. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite scene? The hallway fight scene with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Ooh, yeah. So cool. I really like watching the cast interact in this movie. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a specific... No, I do. Okay. When they're planning the heist and you mm. see Tom Hardy fucking with JGL and yeah. Ellen Page is telling them stuff. I like that montage a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's good. You've seen this a lot more than me, so maybe this isn't how you view this movie, but whenever I think of Inception, I think of the cool action and the cool concept, and it's not until I like really think about it or am watching it that I really think about all the dark stuff with his wife. Mm-hmm. Because that's like, I don't know, it's like an extra layer, you know, an extra Inception layer to the film where you go to it for the action, but you stay for the emotion. It's Inception-ception? Yeah. I just, like, don't really think about that when I'm thinking about the movie, but there's a lot of meat to it. hmm Yeah. Also, I had a story of me seeing this for the first time because it's like, it's one of those memories where you're just like, wow, that was a really great spontaneous thing that happened. Mm-hmm. I was driving home from somewhere with my mom. I don't know where, but I want to say it was, like, kind of a far journey. Like, Elk Grove to Placerville or something. Oh. And we were... Yeah, we were on the way home, and I was telling her that I... Maybe she brought it up, because sometimes she has these, like, spontaneous moods, but maybe she brought it up. She was like, I'm not tired. And it was literally, like, 9 or 10. And she's like, I'm not tired. I feel like we should do something. I was like... What if we go see a movie? But it's so late. So a lot of movies, like, there's, you know, I don't know how many movies playing at a theater at one time, but a lot of them have stopped by then. Mm-hmm. Or, like, they've started, but then you're going to miss the beginning of the movie if you go. And so we're looking at showtimes, and Inception was one of the only movies that had a late showing, I think at, like, 11. And I was like, we could go see this at 11. And she's like, let's do it. So my mom and I saw Inception at 11 o'clock for the first time in our lives. That's awesome. It was really cool. You stayed awake? Yeah. I I feel like that's kind of a woman thing. I feel like all my dude friends have a problem falling asleep during movies. Not really you. At least I've never noticed that. No, I paid for it. I want to see it. But I, like, don't know any women friends of mine who fall asleep during movies. I can name, like, five guy friends that fall asleep during movies. Does Kimmy fall asleep? I've seen it before, but very rare. In the theater, she doesn't. I don't think I've seen her fall asleep in a theater. Okay. She yeah. fell asleep during Wanted. And I thought it was funny. <laughs> that is funny. Um, yeah, so no, neither of us fell asleep. It was awesome. And it was just like, just on a whim. How so full late. was the theater? I feel like probably nobody. Oh. I don't remember there being like anyone. I don't know, though. That was a while ago. Do you... My younger days. Do you look back at that moment the same way that I look back on seeing movies with my grandparents... Yeah, it was just, it was a very, I never, that's the only movie I saw like that, Mm -hmm. you know, where it was this spontaneous, 
really late trip to the movies. That was just like, that wasn't a thing that happened before or after. So I just never forgot about that. Mm-hmm. And it was a good movie. Yeah. Like it, it would, I it would still remember it if it was a shitty movie, but it happened to be a really good movie. Uh-huh. So. It's nice cool. one of those things coincide. I know. The universe. Uh, who would you recommend this movie to? I think this one I would recommend to anyone. I think so too. Although there's... <sighs> Oh, no. <laughs> My girlfriend in high school said it was too confusing, and I should have broken up with her right then and there. <laughs> was this... Okay, no, never mind. Sorry. I just had this whole... I was listening to a podcast the other day where they said some girl they dated in high school said Jack and Jill was their favorite movie. <laughs> and I just had, like, a thought that that was you, but it wasn't. I was like, is that the same girl who liked Jack and Jill? <sighs> yeah, no, you should have dumped her. You should break up with that girl, too. <laughs> yeah, they're not together. It's fine. Any last thoughts before we move on? It's fantastic. And I think I think Memento is arguably a better movie, mm. but I think Inception is peak Nolan. I think it's more palatable than Memento. Yeah. Memento, I would forgive her if she said it was too confusing. Mm-hmm. Inception is not as confusing. No, it's not. It it leaves you in a confused place on purpose, but you shouldn't be like completely lost as to what happened. No. Next movie. The Social Network. The Social Network. 2010, directed by David Fincher. <laughs> Screenplay by Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> Book by Ben Mesrick. Starring Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, Rooney Mara, Justin Timberlake, and Army Hammer. That was a hard one to pick stars from because there's a lot of people in this as well. There's a lot of people. A lot of like, like Courtney's probably gonna be mad I didn't mention Dakota Johnson, but she's barely. Uh, in. She's barely in the movie. And Macaulay Culkin's girlfriend Brenda Song is also in the movie. <laughs> uh, this movie is another one that's got important people to your life. We got Fincher and Sorky. Mm-hmm. And those are both people you really like. Yes, they keep coming back. They keep coming back. Especially Sorkin. <laughs> I actually always forget that this is Fincher, because like when I think of Fincher, I'm thinking like Seven, Fight Club, Zodiac, which Murders all feel and... really similar, and yeah. then there's this. Yeah. Which doesn't not have Fincherisms, but I just like, literally when I was writing this down, I was like, ah oh, yes, a Sorkin movie, and I forgot that Fincher was involved. But he is. He is. So when did you watch this for the first time and with whom? Well, this was yet another movie. Uh-huh. This has one of the greatest trailers of all time. Mm. It's the it's a choral version of Creep by Radiohead. Oh. And the first 45 seconds is just Facebook pages and mm-hmm. different things. And then it actually transitions into scenes from the movie. And the, the choral version of Creep just builds and builds. It's amazing. I've, I don't know if I've ever seen that. It's great. And we, we saw that and we were like, okay, it's a movie about Facebook, but this is the one of the greatest trailers of all time, so we <laughs> yeah, gotta go yeah. see it. And so I saw it with my dad and it was it was just one of the perfect movie viewing experiences where every every funny line and sorkinism mm-hmm. hit and we were laughing the whole time and it was it was literally a perfect first movie viewing. Nice. I've been chasing that with that movie ever since. You don't feel like you've had one since then? No, with other movies, yeah, but with okay. that movie okay. as as I've developed problems with it. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. I'm still 
chasing after that social network high. So you just remember that one giving it to you first, and you're like, you'll always be my first. Yes. Yeah. That was that was pure heroin. Gotcha. Tell me about your relationship with it since that first viewing. Uh, now, I, I admire the craft so much. Mm-hmm. I, I take some issues with the screenplay. Cause, I get that. Uh the next movie on our list we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about this mm-hmm. but uh Aaron Sorkin has the tendency to have his characters explain everything and this doesn't do that that much mm-hmm. David Fincher was able to tone him down thank god but there's there's still some artifice there mm-hmm. that I just notice in my brain and I'm like I'm watching a movie right now Right. Which, you do that with every movie already, right. but there's that extra layer of, it's taking me out. I agree with that. It. Yeah. But, uh, I love the production, I love the soundtrack. That soundtrack is also fantastic by Trent Reznor and Anarchist Ross. Mm-hmm. Won Oscar for it. What about it puts it on this list? You mentioned a lot of things you like about it. Is there anything else that you think makes it a core memory? I think just that that perfect viewing yeah. and just even afterwards I'm I'm more cynical about it now but there were it was a movie that we bought immediately when it came out mm. and there were several subsequent viewings where it, it was still powerful and we yeah. had grins on our faces the whole yeah. time so it was Do you I think there's any movie where you've had that experience not watching it in a theater or do you think it has to be in a theater Terminator 2 I think. Because mm. I was thinking about that. Because you said that you you didn't see Lord of the Rings for a long time. And yeah. I wonder how my experience would have been had I not seen Lord of the Rings in theaters. True. Because that's part of the reason it's so close to me. Mm-hmm. But Terminator 2 had a big effect on me. Yeah. And I think I've actually seen a lot of these this stuff on my list in theaters, too. Yeah. That is surprising. Some of these are older. Yeah. Yeah. I would kill for one of those, like, nostalgia... Or whatever they're called. The, like, but, anniversary shows. Yeah, of yeah. Terminator 2. I would That'd see that in a heartbeat. There's, um, I know that I mentioned a couple of them when we did my episode, but, like, I got to see Back to the Future like that, and I got to see Die Hard like that. Yeah. And even just little things that, like, so don't matter are cool. Like, <laughs> just things that you don't... Getting to see something so big and to have the sound, like, feel like it's in your bones Mm -hmm. it's just like a whole different experience and i think especially because i just watched it the matrix is like one of those that i gotta see on the big screen someday Mm -hmm. take me with you because i want to see that on the big screen that would be good i want to say that in 2019 i feel like it was in theaters and i just missed it or something because i feel like it's been there recently Mm -hmm. that would have been the 20th anniversary of the matrix and it probably was yeah yeah but they'll do it again, I'm sure. Or like at one of those, um, like a rooftop cinema club type thing mm-hmm. where they do it outside. But it would be cooler in a theater. Yeah. <sighs> so cool. See how it was intended. Mm-hmm. Favorite scene from this movie? When the Winkle Vi uh-huh. go to see the president of Harvard and he just rips them the biggest mm. new asshole ever. It's That's a good great. One. They are these entitled students mm-hmm. and he lets them know that they are and how he feels about them yeah it's interesting watching a movie where you feel bad for everyone while also not feeling at all bad at all yeah (laughs) like when with andrew garfield getting so upset about 
his percentage, you feel bad because it's fucked up, but you're also like, okay, you're still way more rich than me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I actually watched this. This was probably one of the last handful of movies that I watched right before I started logging stuff on Letterboxd. So now I'm like, I don't even remember how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. How do I if I don't document everything I think? Did you like it? I did. I, I'd only seen it once before that, and then that wasn't that long ago that I started using Letterboxd. Um, so I think I liked it better the second time, because um, I was able to appreciate things more, kind of like you said. But I don't know, there's something about it where I almost feel like forgettable's a really harsh word, but I feel like every time I watch it, I kind of forget about like the plot. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of weird. I think it's kind of telling <laughs> that you don't remember how you feel about it. Right, so. and I and I I want I'm like hesitant to say forgettable because I usually use that as an insult, and I don't really mean it as an insult, but both times I felt that way, mm-hmm. you know. So I I generally have positive feelings about it, but it's not a movie I'm like rushing to rewatch in the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who would you recommend this movie to? I think if you like Aaron Sorkin's dialogue you should check it out if you like david fincher's filmography mm. and i think if you're a fan of movies this is this is good stuff and true stories are always interesting mm-hmm. even if they're very dramatized who cares yeah yeah i agree any last thoughts uh david fincher probably should have won the oscar for it mm. over king's speech i mean the dude is one of the best working today yeah and yeah mank is coming out soon are you excited about that? I am. It's going to be sad not seeing it on... Yeah. Oh, my God. His neighbors. It's going to be sad not seeing it on the screen, a big screen mm-hmm. for the first time. Hopefully, I can do that one day because mm-hmm. uh, Netflix is purchasing theaters to I do know. that. But, uh, and I'm we a... live in a big city close to that big city. Yeah. L.A. <laughs> I thought we lived in New York. Shh. Don't tell the listeners. They'll come stalk us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. All right, moving on to Moneyball. Moneyballs. 2011, directed by Bennett Miller, screenplay by Aaron Sorkin, and Steve, how'd you say it, Zayan? Zayan. Zayan. I believe. Steven Zayan. Story by Stan Shervin. Book by Michael Lewis. Starring Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Chris Pratt, which was a really fun surprise. I didn't know he you would be in it. You didn't know that, did you? No, I didn't. Yeah. Um... And then I just wanted to ask you, I kind of had, like, an idea of what it might mean in my mind, but this is the only one where I wrote down story by Stan Shervin, like, story by someone. Mm-hmm. What do you think that means? Does that mean they, like, storyboarded the idea and then someone wrote the screenplay based on that? Yeah, I, I usually think someone has, like, they have the pitch and maybe they have, they have a treatment for it and mm-hmm. then they give it to someone else and they develop it further and fill in the blanks like maybe he was the step between book and screenplay uh-huh yeah it's just an interesting credit in the writing department yeah i feel like that's a weird um niche to get into of writing writing yeah and how they credit writing is so interesting mm-hmm. because an amber stand means it was a collaboration mm. whereas the word and means it was two separate things because i'm pretty sure with this steve steve zayan had written the first treatment the first draft of the script. I see. And then Aaron Sorkin brushed it up. I see. But didn't change it too much. So it's like they weren't working collaboratively, but yet they both touched it. Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. Which which can be uh, <laughs> can be a, a, a portent of danger on other movies. Agreed, yeah. Um, 
And then before we move on to the regular questions, I wanted to ask you, do you know why this movie is such a special movie on your list? Not because we just watched it together, mm-hmm. but because of facts about it. Facts about the movie? Yeah. Not like fun facts. It's really personal un- facts. I'm making for me? it thing I'm making it seem like it's some like big deal, but it's just like something cool about this movie specifically on your list. It is the second Sorkin movie on your list? And the second one shot by Wally Fister? No, but that's true too? Yeah, he did Ooh. Inception. Starring Brad Pitt was the other one. So three things oh. that this movie duplicates. So it's got like a lot of stuff you like in it. Yeah. Apparently well, Brad Pitt's one of them. I like Bradley Pitt's. <laughs> yeah. Um, describe the experience of watching this for the first time. So this has been documented on the podcast before. Well, let's on tell it podcast? again. Yeah. Well, I don't remember, so tell me again. I'm going to tell you, because it was a lovely time. My senior year of high school, I wasn't a cool kid in high school. I wasn't oh, a... Oh, shut the fuck up, I wasn't Daniel. a nerd, but I wasn't, like... I wasn't being one of these irresponsible teens you see in the movies. <laughs> also, I don't like those teens, so they can go fuck right off. I don't think any of us were those teens. But I think we're cool. Yeah, I, I think we too. were cool. You know what I think sometimes, like... This is, like, off-topic conversation, but... Um, about, like, just the the things that kids deal with growing up and stuff, and, like, just something that I really want to implant in my kids that they know is, like, you don't want to peak in high school or middle school because those people are losers now. Yeah. <laughs> like, none of them that I can think of who were in, like, we didn't really have cliques, but people that I think of who were in, like, the, quote, popular crowd, I'm like, how boring is your life now? I feel like it's super boring. They all had kids five years ago. Oh, yours did? Yeah. Yeah. Or like, it's like the Tom Segura skit where he's like, I made this many touchdowns that year. (laughs) (laughs) The Uncle Rico effect. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Could have gone state. Exactly. Coach had only put me in. Um, So, okay. So you were in the middle of your story though. So um, we had plans for the weekend. We're going to go out to eat and then see a movie Mm -hmm. so we went and got chipotle and then we went and saw moneyball and it was kevin Ah. our friend sahir who's sierra's boyfriend um and some other people so we're we're in the theater and there's a lot of kids our age which kind of made me nervous because Mm -hmm. i've i've been in some situations where people are douchebags as audience members they they disrespect the movie Mm -hmm. and their fellow audience members and it was the best audience I've ever okay. been a part of. I do remember this. Everyone, everyone, every joke hit so hard. Mm. Everyone was laughing. And then at the end of the movie, we clapped. Oh, that's so sweet. And it felt genuine. It didn't feel cheesy or forced. Yeah. It just felt genuine. That's an interesting movie to clap at, too. For something that's not like an epic or a fantasy film, I feel like clapping at the end is a pretty big deal. And it, I think... What is so great about Moneyball is that it manages to make these these tiny baseball things mm-hmm. seem epic. And yeah. I think its use yeah. of music to do that is perfect. Again, it allows the audience to be affected by the moment instead of directly guiding you to what you're supposed to feel. Yeah. I think that the them getting all those wins in a row is a good example of how well they used the drama Mm -hmm. for me to care so much about them getting it. You want it so badly. Yeah. For them to break the record. And I think I'm correct when I say that we both don't give a shit about baseball that much. 
Not really. I try to. <laughs> I've, seen the pa- I've seen the Padres play a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, no, I don't care. And it makes you care. Because yeah. you like the character so much. You care about the story. And they do a really good job with, I mean, just all the elements of filmmaking. Which, like, good sports movies do. Where, I think Kimmy said this before, too. Is, like, I gen- generally like most sports movies because they're made in a way where I am tricked into thinking that I care about that sport. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about your relationship with this film since that first viewing in theaters. Uh, I I love how quiet it was. Mm. One thing I regret that when you and I watched it last week, we weren't able to appreciate that much, is the sound of it. It's mm. a very quiet movie, and it lets the scenes play out. But then when music and the ambiance of the games is yeah. used you're you're there so i i like it i like it that much i i think it's really funny too mm-hmm. and that's i also regret watch I, watching it with you i was nervous that you weren't gonna think it was that funny because oh. <laughs> it maybe the first time spoiled me but we okay. everyone laughed so much it was so much fun do you, like, when I was reacting, did you not think I thought it was very funny? I thought you didn't like it. Oh, really? <laughs> and I was so shocked to see you gave it five stars oh, on Letterboxd. Oh, yeah. Letterbox. No, I really liked it. And I think it's funny. I mean, I wouldn't, like, call it a comedy, but Jonah Hill Jonah Hill is a very important piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. to give it the humanity that it has. Yeah. Like, without that, I mean, obviously that character is essential because, like, he makes Moneyball, but the way that they made his character, I think, is why the film is so successful. Uh-huh. He plays yeah. the eponymous Moneyball. <laughs> he plays the money... His name is Moneyball. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, what is it about this film that puts it on this list? That first time seeing it. Mm. and Was that the same high as the social networks? It may, it may even be higher. Wow. Or maybe equal, but... I think if you, I mean, if you ask Kevin or I about it, we would both say that time mm-hmm. is really important to us. Um, so Sorkin really gets you in those moments. And it, it doesn't feel so hit you over the head yes. as other Sorkin stuff yes. does. Mm-hmm. So it, it holds up better for me than Social Network does because gotcha. I'm not taken out of it. I have a really key example but before i go into that let me ask what is your favorite scene in moneyball yeah i like where the where jonah hill is explaining the how his statistical formula works Mm. and he's talking about chad bradford the player who throws funny yeah he's talking about how all these players are undervalued but he's looking at the key statistics that make someone valuable right and it's it's just him explaining it, and it's the close-up on the screen, and you remember, remember you commented yeah. on the grain of it. Yeah, and, and how that must be really hard to film. Yeah, and it feels that the the song is, oh, I wish I could remember the name, The Mighty Rio Grande, mm. which Moneyball did before Room did, so oh, therefore okay. Room is a plagiaristic So Room's piece a horrible shit. movie? Okay. Yeah. Um, but it, it makes that scene epic. Yeah. So I love that scene. And also their their winning montage. <laughs> Where do you want? Where would you like? Go to the alligator. 
It's so fun when he's introducing that because when you think about it, it's almost obvious that it's like, well, yeah, whoever gets you runs gets you wins, you stupid. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's like the way that they pick players is so not the norm and like they look like shitty players that it's crazy that it works. Mm -hmm. I have a few more scenes I would like to mention. Oh, go for it. Okay. So. A lot of the movie is Brad Pitt butting heads with Philip Seymour Hoffman for yeah. not implementing his his roster, mm-hmm. and so Brad Pitt has to finally make some cuts <laughs> telling Philip, and so they meet in the room. I know exactly what you're talking. Yeah, about. and just the look, and this is gr- great directing uh-huh. because he tells him that he dropped a player, and the the camera holds on Philip Seymour Hoffman, and mm-hmm. it's just you dropped. Giambi. And the way that he approaches it is just like such an asshole that he's like, he won't play today. And he's like, yes, he will. And he's like, no, he won't. <laughs> like knowing that he's gone. Yeah. And Philip doesn't know. And then the other player comes in and he says, you're not playing for us anymore. Yeah. Oh, and then he takes so a harsh. seat. He takes a seat. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and then um, this most recent time, the moment that really affected me that had never done it before oh. is when they're watching the the footage of the kind of hefty player hitting the Oh my the home god, run. that's what I want to talk about the most. I almost cried. Yeah. It it really hit the message home for me. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite scene. Yeah. And that scene for me is why I wrote on my letterbox review that I love Aaron Sorkin sharing the writing power mm-hmm. because I just felt like that was the perfect it was written perfectly where we get to see this video that is clearly a metaphor that Jonah Hill is showing him, right? Mm-hmm. And a beautiful metaphor. And and it's also got like a twist to it too. Like you think it's one thing and then it's it's actually that the guy didn't know the great thing he had done, right? Mm-hmm. And what I like so much about it is that we know it's a metaphor, but in case we didn't, we get that humorous moment of him saying it's a metaphor, and rather than them talking to us like we're stupid and explaining the metaphor, Brad Pitt says, I know it's a metaphor, and leaves. So it was just like this perfect, if you didn't get it, I'm going to tell you it's a metaphor, but I'm not going to belittle you to the point of explaining it to you, Mm -hmm. because it's obvious. It's like Brad Pitt is Steve Zayn. And Jonah Yeah, like he wants to explain it, and yeah. Steve is like, no, stop. Yeah, so I just felt like that was like the perfect scene, and their chemistry is very visible in that scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought it was beautiful. That was my favorite part. I feel like in the, the first time I watched it, too, I was really keen of Jonah Hill's vulnerability yeah. as that character. Because the first time that Brad confronts him after the meeting that goes wrong, he says, who are you? Right. I'm your brand, sir. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to fire me? Yeah. And he, yeah. He, he, it's like he's being bullied. You you want to like jump in and protect him. Yeah. And from for Jonah Hill for selling that role. Right. And Brad Pitt's a force. Like, who looks at Brad Pitt and doesn't get afraid? Mm. Right? Um, I'm glad you liked it. I did like it. And I, I'm glad that we watched it so short like so recent so that I remember a lot about it so to talk fresh. about. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely the one on this list that I've watched the most recently besides the Bugs Bunny videos. Who would you recommend this movie to? 
I think this one's tougher because you said that you've shown it to people who did not like it. Yes. Yeah, I've shown it to two people who have not liked it. Do you know if Kate liked it? She did not like it. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't say much after, and I was like, I don't think she liked it. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Um, I think if you're a sports fan, you would like it. I think that's true. Because Dakota goes... So Dakota's little brother, for listeners, Dakota's my fiance. His little brother, Tommy, is super into baseball. Like, that's his life. He's an amazing pitcher. Um, he's 17. And he, like, just anything baseball, if, I, if, I, if he knew we were watching it, he would have come. And Dakota, since finding out that I liked it so much, was like, we should rewatch it with Tommy. And I was like, I can't rewatch it that soon. Mm-hmm. Whereas he's really excited to watch it again with Tommy. And yeah. I, I would be too, but it's like... I don't love sports enough to sit down and watch it again after having seen it so recently. Yeah, the the high is still wearing off. Exactly. And I don't... I think that part of why I liked it so much is because I didn't know what would happen and all the surprise elements were fun. And I think if I were to watch it this soon, a lot of those would die. Yeah, that's another thing. I had... I don't know anything about baseball, so I didn't right. know what, what... I didn't know what their record would be. I didn't I know if they would get the wins. Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting. Any last thoughts before we move on? I love Moneyball. Yeah. I had a really fun time watching it with you guys. And Dakota stayed awake, and we watched it. Well, I guess it wasn't late, but because of Daylight Savings, it's been dark. Yeah. So it was still a feat for him. I was worried he was going to fall asleep, yeah. but I'm glad he did. Did you notice that he didn't sit on the couch for most of the movie? Yeah. I it's a tactic. Yeah. <laughs> um, when he shows it to Tommy, I want to mm-hmm. hear what he thinks. I'm, I'm, there's a small part of me that's afraid that Tommy is going to be bored. But I'm hoping that the baseball-ness of it will unbore him. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, he just, he literally like eats and breathes baseball. Mm -hmm. Um, But he also is a teenager and like, like texts during movies and stuff. So we'll see. I could see it going either way. Heathen. Heathen. Alrighty. Getting close to the end of this list. Yes. Next movie is Moonlight. Moonlight. 2016, directed by Barry Jenkins, written by Barry Jenkins and Terrell Alvin McCraney, starring Trevante Rhodes, Ashton Sanders, Mahershala Ali, Naomi Harris, Janelle Monae, Andre Holland, and Jarrell Jerome. Something interesting about this movie, it's not that interesting, but... It really, like, often gets marketed as the Mahershala movie, mm-hmm. and he's, like, not really in it that much. No, it, it's the definition of a supporting role. Yeah, and I mean, I think part of it is because he won the Oscar for it, but I'm like, you guys, he's not even on the cover of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not his movie. Um, like, when I was looking up the cast, I had a hard time deciding what order to put the actors in because he is, like, top build everywhere, mm-hmm. you know? Anyway, I just had to express that. Describe your experience watching this movie for the first time and who showed it to you. So, the first time I saw this movie was actually with Courtney. Oh, really? And I think I had, I had come down... I It was after we graduated from college. Mm-hmm. And so I had I would move back to Sacramento to... I was That's where I was living. But I had come down either for my roommate's graduation or some other thing. So I was down here. And whenever Courtney and I are together, it's like, Hey, where are we going to go see? Yeah. And Moonlight was getting all the all the big press. It was yeah. the it was the big critic darling, and mm-hmm. so we were we decided okay we got to go see it, 
So we did, and it floored me. Mm-hmm. It it was remarkable. I was on the verge of tears the entire time. Oh. And it, it really hit close to home mm-hmm. for reasons I will explain as cool. we talk more about it. But yeah. it, it was really touching, and I, I look back to that experience yeah. often. What about it? What has your relationship been like since that first viewing? So believe it or not, I've only seen it twice. Okay. I'm afraid... I'm not that surprised because it's kind of new. I'm afraid to watch it more because mm-hmm. I'm afraid that its power will waver. Mm. And it was so important to me the first time I saw it. Yeah. I don't want to lose that. I am a very firm believer that there are some movies that I see and I love them. I would say like Moneyball is an example of a movie where I can still love it and not want to watch it a lot. Yeah. Like I know that you didn't fall in love with Butterfly Effect the way that Courtney and I did. <laughs> but the first time I saw that, I remember specifically going, I want to wait like years before I see this again because I wanted to forget the twisty stuff. Yeah. But then after a certain amount of rewatches, you just don't forget anymore. Um, but I get that, like not wanting it to lose its power if you watch it too much. Mm-hmm. Give it some space. What about it puts it on this list? It really deals with shame in mm. a, in a way that that just hits so close to home as someone who has lived with a lot of shame and mm. not even shame related to be to being gay like yeah. in the movie um, just shame in general. Mm-hmm. So I saw Chiron's pain on screen and his shame of existing mm-hmm. and I saw myself Ugh. and it it that's why I was on the verge of tears the whole time because yeah. I was like this is me that's this, a great way to verbalize this that this is me so much yeah and it kind of made me feel like having those feelings and expressing them mm-hmm. was okay to do mm-hmm. this might be too personal of a question but was it like related to sexual shame no okay i don't think no i don't think it was it was just shame of existing just i i felt like a failure after moving back home after graduating i just Mm -hmm. i didn't feel like anything was going right Mm -hmm. i did not feel like a good person so it just i i felt unworthy of being alive while not wanting to commit suicide yeah i was not enjoying life Mm -hmm. and it just felt like I was looking in a mirror yeah. watching the movie. And seeing the way that Mahershala is so kind to him mm-hmm. when he's a young boy, it was, it was t- so touching. Mm-hmm. And I was... He deserved that Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting how movies have that power where sometimes, even if it's not the same situation, it just perfectly lines up in a way that you're able to, like experience it on a more visceral level than just the normal like empathy yeah just like the the, what's going on on the surface right rather than just being sad for characters it like hits you in a weird way Mm -hmm. that it almost feels like you said like it's you but like in a like hey get out of my body type of a way Mm -hmm. is there anything you want to add to what puts it on this list for you i think it's in addition to uh making me feel the ways mm-hmm. I just explained. I think it's also a tremendously made and direct, directed mm-hmm. movie. I think the acting is 
top-notch throughout. The cinematography is great and really intimate Mm -hmm. without being too much. It's just right. And it, again, it does not condescend. And when I mentioned earlier how there are movies that have the music to make you feel, know how Mm -hmm. you feel, this does not do that at all. It knows... These are, these are, these, the stakes, the emotional stakes are so high in these scenes. Mm -hmm. If you played music, it would just suck the air out of them. So it just lets them be, that's all it needs to be. Knowing that, I, I hope I can make a good movie. I, Mm. I I think I would be able to. Right. Under, I understand that much about it. I think that that's something that I've discovered when like when I watch something that's older and I would say like a really basic example of this is sitcoms understanding how like as a society we've kind of shifted away from needing so much noise like Mm. being okay with silence yeah and I say that because like laugh tracks are so outdated now and like if I'm Say I'm, like, watching a bunch of The Office, and then I go back and watch an episode of Friends, I'm, like, shocked by the laugh track, and I have to start getting used to it. Mm-hmm. Because I start, I've gotten so used to the silence. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing with, um, with score, that you don't always need music, for example, like you said, to make you feel something. When we were talking about the movie Rebecca, it's like movies back then really did not trust audience. No, and they were like, "This is scary," you know. And Mm -hmm. so it's just it's cool that over the years we get more comfortable in silence and we trust people to know what to think and feel in silent moments. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite scene from this movie? So I'm going to cheat because I'm a cheater. (laughs) There's a scene in the first act where Chiron asks um, Mahershala what a faggot is. Oh. Because he was called one. Mm-hmm. And Mahershala explains it to him. And then he says, have you seen the movie? I have but one time, so I don't really remember this. Okay. I'm going to spoil it. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And he explains it to him. And Mahershala is a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. But he, he doesn't, he doesn't explain it in a gross or over the top way Mm -hmm. he loves this kid so he he just tells him what it is in a very respectful way and then Chiron says asks him you sell drugs to my mom don't you oh he goes yeah I do and then he runs out of the house and the camera holds on Mahershala and in that moment you you can tell that he's ashamed yeah of who he is Mm -hmm. in the same way yeah that the lead is yeah Yeah. exactly Mm mm-hmm so that that's that's one of them, and the next the third uh, the third one, the other one is in the third act, where Chiron as an adult meets with his mom. Ugh, that's the one I wrote down. Uh, it's, it's it's so rough. Yeah. And it it's so raw, that it it just needs to be them talking. Mm-hmm. I think that's all I can say about it because I, I, <laughs> to elevate this to. Uh, silliness. I said Calypso's great in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting her to turn into crabs. I know. In that, was a, that was a weird switch in the tone of the film. Uh-huh. But I'm glad they did it with no music so that I didn't feel forced to feel a certain way about the crabs. Yeah. Um, but no, I remember that scene the most. Um, and being... I think that was the scene that like got me the most because she... 
she also is like dealing with a lot and you don't really get to see that as much and it's like dealt with in a in a kinder and more mature way Mm -hmm. in this scene because he's an adult able to talk to her Mm -hmm. and I just thought she was like out of this world and she in that in that moment she's she's completely aware of all her flaws yeah and she's laying them out there mm-hmm. isn't she smoking a cigarette she is oh I, I, I what an aesthetic say, yeah. in my head she's smoking she, a she cigarette starts crying and he wipes her tears yeah that's a beautiful scene that and the cinematography are the two things i think about when i think about the movie mm-hmm. i need to watch this again yeah oh one more what, thing what, what? the music is great nicholas bertel Mm-hmm. is a great composer. He did the, the score for this show, Six, Succession, and oh. he did If Beale Street Could Talk. And we were watching the special features of the movie, and his idea of the score was because Chiron and... I'm blanking on Mahershala's character, but they're, they be, they're drug dealers. Mm-hmm. And so he said, I wanted to incorporate Chopped and Screwed, mm-hmm. which is a genre of rap, mm-hmm. into this orchestral thing. Yeah. And so he chopped and screwed the the violin. That's really cool. Written. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you watch Succession? No. Okay. But I listen to the soundtrack. Nice. <laughs> and I search him on Spotify and it says, he did Succession. I'm like... Mm. That's interesting. I don't often watch things because of the composer, but he yeah. makes me want to sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just... I've only seen it once and... I feel like I almost had the opposite experience as you where... You were like, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) No, but just where I didn't connect to it. And not on like a there will be blood kind of way where I was like, I don't think this is for me. But since then, I've just felt like I really need to rewatch it because Mm. I also think there was, like you said, it was the critic like baby of the year. And I think there was this hype around it that I was... I just think my expectations, not that they were too high, but that they were wrong. Yeah. Like, I don't really know what I expected it to be, but it was something else. And so maybe going into it a second time, I would appreciate it correctly, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And th- that was that was the year, the La La Land year. And I loved La La Land. <laughs> yeah. So that... And that one hit me extremely directly that year. So. Yeah. So that, yeah, maybe I was distracted. I was like, this ain't no La La Land. There was just a lot going on. That was a good year. That was a good year. Arrival came out that year, too. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Who would you recommend this movie to? I think anyone who struggles with shame should watch it. Mm Mm-hmm. I've read some stories about... And I I don't want to take this experience as my own, but um, I've read some stories about people who are gay... I've watched it, and some people have watched it with their parents, and it oh. has helped their parents. I'm not saying do that. That's just a, a beautiful... <laughs> people have. Yes. It's just a beautiful thing that I've read about, and their parents came out of it with a little more understanding. That's so sweet. Yeah. And I think if if you are a lover of drama and mature filmmaking, you should check it out. Mm-hmm. And any last thoughts before we move on? Yeah, I'm. I, I wish it could have had its moment at the Oscars. Cause I it, know. It got deflated. You know, it's funny. I actually was going to put a joke in here, <laughs> and then I felt like it's just it's such a bummer because not only has that moment been taken away from it at the Oscars, but like now, anytime that movie is mentioned, it's like that's one of the first things people think about, and yeah. it's just like. 
That's just a bummer because it's, I guess it's a good thing that it is such a good film because I feel like if something like that had happened with, say, maybe Green Book, that people would be like, yeah, that's, that shit's funny, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it can overcome that shitty situation. Yeah. And still be a good movie outside of that. And to add some additional levity to the to the moment, we were watching the Oscars. We were having an Oscar party. Oh yes, this house. is a great story. <laughs> and they announced La La Land. Yeah. And I said, "Fuck this," because that would have been the one that would make me win. Right. So. So Courtney won with so, La La Land. Yeah. So I went to the bathroom to take a crap. <gasps> Daniel. <laughs> yeah. So I walked away. Oh no. I was in the toilet. I didn't know this part of the story. No, and then my dad bangs on the door. Daniel, Daniel, they made a mistake. <laughs> they made a mistake. And I'm no. like, what? <laughs> and so I come out and the So fia- you like kind of missed it. I missed the fiasco. Daniel! <laughs> but I come out and Barry Jenkins is already making a speech. Wow. But the 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 moment had already been kind of ruined. Yeah. And I was like, I wish you could have had that. I know. But then also, it made me beat Courtney, so... It did. Made you beat Courtney. In a very dramatic way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, like... Again, like, I'm just... It is, a, it is a shame for Moonlight for that reason, but sometimes I just watch that video because it's so fucking funny. Oh, it's hilarious. It's such a train wreck. Uh, and then it's just, like, it's fun to start spotting people realizing it. Because when you're watching it for the first time, you don't notice it until the guy is like, we lost, so... But when you're re-watching it, you see people start getting inklings of something's wrong and people running back and forth. The chaos. Yeah. Isn't yeah. Ryan Gosling giggling like a... He's like... he's Yeah, he's, he's probably like... That makes me like him because I feel like it's just like, it's the awards, who cares, mm-hmm. you know? But, yeah, wow, what a crazy thing that happened there. Last movie on the list. Most recent movie on the list. Hell yeah. OJ, Made in America. 2016, directed by Ezra Edelman. Five-part documentary, coming in hot at 7 hours and 47 minutes total. Yeah. They changed the rules of the Oscars after it won. Because really? it aired on TV first, but then they put it in theaters so it could be eligible. D- they put it in theaters, like, as a one block? Yeah. <gasps> Would you, did you do that? Would you do that? That's a whole ass thing. I, how do you even do that? I would imagine they'd have to have like potty breaks in between each episode. Yeah. So that, and wow. then that doesn't even feel like a movie anymore. Right. right. But then again, that, the, the Holocaust documentary Shoah is also of similar length. Gotcha. And that, that was shown in theaters. So I don't know. Yeah. But it's probably a good thing they changed the rule. <laughs> that being said... Very deserving best documentary. Yeah. Winner. I was going to ask, I didn't realize how long it was mm-hmm. in runtime. Haven't you seen this many times? I've seen it multiple times. <laughs> I know you've seen it multiple, but haven't you seen it like three plus times? Yeah. That's so much this time. This movie is my happy place. I just remember you being like, you've seen Endgame four times, but you've seen this like four times. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so much time. It's so good. <laughs> so describe, describe your first time seeing it and with whom. So it was 2016. Yeah. And I don't know if the uh, if the FX OJ series had come out already. 
They were so close together that I mixed them up for a long time. Yeah. So OJ was back in the limelight again. And I didn't want to watch the FX show because I do not like Ryan Murphy. And I was Mm. not, I was not ready for it. And still not, I'm not going to, but, um, a lot of, there was a lot of acclaim and buzz around this documentary and it was, it was on ESPN. And Mm. it's funny when you, when you say, uh, look up OJ Made America on demand, it says available until 2030. And it's like, dope. Yeah. It's going to be on there forever. That's interesting. So we watched it and it's so good. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, I watched it with my dad. I don't, my mom didn't watch because it's pretty fucking upsetting. I'm sure. yeah. Yeah. But it digs so deep into the case, but it also contextualizes race and right. the United States. And it does it with laser focus while being a dynamic documentary. Mm-hmm. I think this could be a documentary that would make you realize, okay, I understand good documentary mm. filmmaking. Like, I know what to give stars to now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, because, like, there are some documentaries that I've seen where I know there's something more special about them. Like, I really liked... Did you see Three Identical Strangers? Yeah, I did. I thought that the the storytelling aspect of that was put together in a very clever and creative way. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's one where I would say it felt more special. But other than that, I just, like, kind of lump, lump a lot of them together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if you're saying that it's on there till 2030 maybe the only way i can watch it is like next time we're both in norcal next time you're (laughs) at my house sitting down for seven hours (laughs) yes i would make you that it's so good i'm fine with it tell me about your relationship with this film since that first viewing so (laughs) this this documentary is so good that on multiple occasions it was actually it's it's Every time it's the anniversary of the Bronco chase, mm. where OJ went out on the big car chase, yeah. and all the LAPD was after him, mm-hmm. it was on at the gym. It was oh. on the TVs at the gym. Yeah. There's there's horrible violence in the movie, yeah. <laughs> as you can imagine. Uh-huh. And I would be on the treadmill, and I would start watching it. Mm-hmm. And that's something I don't do. I, I would usually listen to my own music. Okay. And I was like... OJ made in America. So I would. So listen. you'd already seen it at that point. I'd already yeah. seen it. And then I would, multiple occasions, it would be on and I just would have to watch uh-huh. it. I'm not one of those people who I see a movie and come in halfway and I have to finish it. Mm. This movie makes me want to finish it. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that time I went home and watched it play out on TV. Did you like, oh, because it was running live. Yeah, it was yeah, on ESPN. Okay. You were like, got in your car on a commercial break? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And watch the rest of it at home. At the start of quarantine, I watched it out of order. Just I didn't think I was going to watch the whole thing. And I then see. I was like, I better just check on part one to I see just, how it's doing. Yeah, yeah. I want to make sure it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Give, give it some love. Yeah. What about it puts it on this list for you? It's the only doc. It is the only That's doc. It's a big deal. And I'm, I was really glad that I could put a documentary on mm-hmm. there because it seems like a... I feel, oh, yes, I have a documentary right. on my list, yes. Because <laughs> that's an important part of filmmaking, but it's a different, very different. 
Yeah. And you have an animated film on here. Wow, it's like a really well-rounded list, Daniel. Yeah, and I wanted to have a foreign film, but mm. Inglorious kind of ticks that box. Gotcha. Kind of. Yeah. 60% of the way. Did you think that when you put Inglorious on the list? You were like, this makes me feel good. Yes. For my foreign film. And I was, I, I racked my brain trying to find a foreign film mm-hmm. that could be on the list, but... It, no core. It, was, it wasn't happening. I get it. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. What was the question? What about it puts it on this list? It is so compelling. Mm-hmm. Just, he, ha- he, he interviews everyone you could possibly think of. He interviews Nicole, Nicole, Br- Nicole Simpson's family, mm-hmm. Ron Goldman's parents, cops in the LAPD, Mark Furman, who if you're not familiar with, was the, the cop who just destroyed the, the court case because oh. they found racial racist evidence in his past. Wow. But uh, they got access to everyone. Mm-hmm. Not OJ, of course. Yeah. Because uh, he was still in prison at the time, actually. It, it covers so much. They talked to so many people. It feels like they left no stone unturned. Mm-hmm. And it's all done with laser focus. And it every minute feels earned and important. And not excessive correct yeah yeah what this is like a strange question for a documentary but what's your favorite scene the whole thing (laughs) uh so there's this and i feel i feel odd saying this is my favorite scene but it's a great blend of filmmaking Mm -hmm. what it's after they've covered the court case in the film and they're asking one of the lawyers to say what he thinks happened oh so they're intercutting his interview with crime scene photos whoa and it's harrowing it's really upsetting and disturbing Mm -hmm. but it's also amazing filmmaking yeah they use music too but it's to its benefit Mm -hmm. it it was just the perfect combination of all those elements yeah because that's the that's the thing about documentaries where are you going to be zooming in on a photo with someone narrating over right. it? Or is it going to be a talking head? No. It it feels like normal filmmaking in the context of a documentary. Right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's a unique thing sometimes. Like, it's hard to capture that in a lot of documentaries. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, just some... I mean, I just watched the other day that American Murder documentary that's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And... That just shows, like, an example of how some documentaries, like, that one uses only... There's no talking heads. It's only footage from Facebook videos, from body cam, from interrogation rooms. And that's, like, very unique. And you don't always have access to that kind of stuff for a documentary. Yeah. And this, I mean, it was was the most publicized case ever with one of the most famous athletes of all time. Mm -hmm. So they, they... they had the golden opportunity, and they used it to their advantage. Mm-hmm. It's the only one, I think, I mean, we've, like, haven't really said this, but it's the only one on this list that I haven't seen, so I don't really have any additional questions besides the core. Who would you recommend this movie to? Definitely true crime fans. hmm And I think, I think it's so interesting and well done that I would recommend it to anyone. Okay. Yeah. My, I do have a question I just thought of that there was a documentary that I watched with Dakota and by watched I mean put on and decided no thank you and turned it off <laughs> which 
is because, well, partially because we were eating, which I guess maybe you shouldn't always do if you're watching true crime, but it's like, usually it's okay. And with this one, it was like the movie had just started, maybe five, ten minutes had gone by, the documentary, and there was just like really graphic, not even photos, but footage of the crime scene. Oh, and that, I was like, wow, I've never seen a documentary that made me this upset, like, to turn it off. Like, because obviously things that people talk about and some of the things that they show in true crime docs are grotesque. But that one felt like, what's the word? Where you're, like, using it exploitative. Yes. And so I was wondering, like, how you feel they handle that kind of subject matter in this. I don't think it is exploitative. Yeah. It's, it all feels respectful to the victims Mm -hmm. it it shows you but it's not in a way that for shock value no it's like this is what happened yeah and i trust you to be an adult Mm -hmm. and deal with this upsetting thing upsetting things happen Mm -hmm. that's what we're here to talk about yeah seven hour documentary yeah and i don't mean to 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 sound like it's rubbing it in your face but it's it's just like okay this is a thing that happened Mm -hmm. and we're we're not going to sugarcoat it for you. Yeah, and yeah. this is a guy who went and lived his life 10 years after the crime was committed. Mm-hmm. Any last thoughts on the film before we move into concluding thoughts on the whole episode? I, I think it's for people who don't like documentaries that you could watch it. As someone who is a, a stickler about his own time, it has been on TV multiple times and mm-hmm. I have started watching it. Because that's how compelling it is. Yeah. So if that's a testament to its quality, if that's not one, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. And if you have access to it, you don't have to watch it in one sitting. Correct. Like, there's, there's, you can take breaks. You, you might want to, <laughs> Yeah. <but laughs> yeah. I don't think you should. <laughs> yeah. And also, what that's that's something where I, I finish it and I get so sad that it's over. That it's over. Yeah. Yeah. And again, for something that's over seven hours, that's a pretty big deal. And for something that's a true crime documentary. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I want more crime! I want more crime. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Daniel, that's the end of the list. Yes, it is. And I do have more questions. I think what we're all wondering here is where the fuck is Daniel Day-Lewis? Where the fuck is Daniel Day-Lewis? Yeah. It's like, uh, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? I think Daniel Day-Lewis is maybe the greatest actor who has lived recently. That being said, and I love I love the movies he's done recently, like Phantom Thread, mm-hmm. There Will Be Blood. I love those movies. I, they're 10 out of 10s in my book. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have that life-defining moment mm. for me. Like, if I were to become a filmmaker, I feel like the films I would draw from are the ones that I talked about on the, this list. Interesting. And if that makes me a hack, whatever. I don't Let think, me like what I want to like. I don't think it does because I think a good filmmaker makes things that are reflective of their personality. Mm-hmm. And although you may admire some of the movies Daniel Day-Lewis has been in, maybe those would be you trying to be someone else. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I did want to know, though, if you had to put one of his on your list, which one would you put? My favorite is The Crucible. <laughs> <sighs> and I can only pick one. I can't oh, cheat. No! no. 
That's um, the sigh you were holding in earlier. Yeah. God, that's a hard question. Improv. So I ran into that. this guy the other day. Okay, there will be blood. There, I there said There will it. be blood? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said it. At me, why don't you? Hot take. That's a that's that's a claimed movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Do you have any anything else you want to add about that movie? About There Will Be Blood? Yeah. Um Or Daniel in general. You yourself, Daniel. Oh, about me in no, general? Daniel Daylis. <laughs> I think he's I think he's a tremendous actor, but I think people also need to recognize that his method is not representative of the of method as a whole it's mm. just his personal method and you don't have to go to the lengths that he does mm-hmm. to be a good actor yes i think that is i mean we talk about that on we explain movies all the time but i think that is um i firmly believe that yeah that 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 level of method acting it just makes me wonder like do you do you need that to be good because if so that scares me well, I, I think he, he says he does. Yeah. Which, I mean, I like the results. Right. He, Maybe that's why he's retiring, because he's fucking spent more energy than an actor should have to in his career. Honestly, yeah. yeah. I mean, and he, he he's, done, he's done everything he needs to do, mm-hmm. so. Do you think he's really retired? I like to, <laughs> I like to joke that it would be really funny if he just came out and was like, Guys, I'm gonna be the guest, a guest cast member on SNL this oh year. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's just Daniel Day Lewis doing SNL. He but, hasn't ever hosted, has he? No, no. I wonder what if he like secretly was on there and it was like the Christoph Waltz episode because they have a similar vibe about them. Mm-hmm. I think if we, if he does act again, it's only ever gonna be one more time. Mm. But I think he may be done. He yeah. seems like someone who's a man of his word. I mean, he's committed for, what, three years now? I think he announced it in 2017? Yeah. And that's, like, that's more than I think I expected at the time. And yeah. I, I think it does, I think it really does suck it out of him. Yeah. So, he can do what he wants. Mm-hmm. Okay, one of my, I, I have two more questions left. One of them is, who are we bullying on Letterboxd right now? It was so successful with me that I, I, I gotta know. Well, we need to bully Kimmy. Okay. Because Kimmy doesn't have... For the have, picture? She doesn't have a picture. Didn't you say Jordan also doesn't have a picture? Jordan has a picture now. Because you bullied him? Because I bullied hey! him. Because bullying works. <laughs> yeah. I know they tell you it doesn't. It does. It does. Cyberbullying especially. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to cyberbully Kimmy. Yeah. And we need to just keep doing it because uh, I saw her in person recently and I forgot to say something. So <laughs> we all need to... We all need to take care of each other and... <laughs> and cyberbully when and necessary. And cyberbully Kimmy. And if you don't have your favorite movies listed on Letterboxd, and you don't have a profile picture, then what are we doing? <laughs> then why even have a Letterboxd? What? <laughs> Guys, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Okay. And then I, I want to ask you this, but I'm going to go first because I want it to end on you because this is your day. Oh, thank you. So something that I want to promote here on the podcast, before I ask you what you want to promote, is that I recently watched Being John Malkovich for the first time. Uh-huh. Have you ever seen it? Yeah. I need, that's something I want to rewatch because I was, I was young. I wasn't too young, mm. but I was young. And I feel like I would appreciate it so much more. 
I just like I loved it. Mm-hmm. I was obsessed from start to finish. And the last Charlie Kaufman thing that I watched was I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which I was very underwhelmed by. Mm-hmm. So to watch something that just like floored me in all ways, like it was funny. I thought there was a lot of without him getting too pretentious, he still got to like say pretentious and thought provoking things. Mm-hmm. It was and the story, like, who would have thought? And John Malkovich participating in this, it was just, like, it was so magical. Isn't it perfect that he's in Ugh. it, too? I feel like he's the perfect actor to pick for something like that. And also, that's so cool as an actor and a person to just have a movie called Being John Malkovich. Being Daniel Vaca. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you want your last name out there, but I said it. <laughs> you can bleep it. I'm going to bleep it out and say you said the N-word. <laughs> No. God, that's my go-to joke. <laughs> He's trying to get his friends canceled, and we're not even famous. Uh, but yeah, I just like that was my little. I just wanted to plug that because I was just so impressed, and like I'm just so happy that I watched it. It was not what I expected, and in a good way. Can I ask you a question? Yes. I noticed you had said this is Charlie using his powers for good. Yes. And you. You explained a little bit about how you felt about, I'm thinking about any things. Could you elaborate on that, using the powers for good? So, Courtney made this really funny analogy on We Explain Movies where I said he couldn't pick a lane because he just... I get the idea of having thoughts and writing them down and wanting to put them out into the world in a creative way, which is kind of what I'm thinking of ending things was, was an adaptation of a book... But where Charlie wanted to... Put his put, own spin on it? Yes, but also like just put these ideas about life like in a, in a Chuck Palahniuk sort of way. Like, I want to say this about life and this about life and this about media and this about thoughts and this about relationships. Like, just he had all these ideas and he didn't focus on any of them well enough for me to care about the movie. Mm-hmm. And so when... Courtney and I were talking about it on the podcast. Kimmy, too, but she hadn't seen it. And um, I said he couldn't pick a lane. And Courtney made this funny analogy where she was like, he was literally doing donuts on the freeway, like driving in reverse. And so this movie just felt like he knew how to control what he wanted. And he had direction. Like being John Malkovich had a theme and it knew where it was going and it went there, and then the movie was over. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, I'm going to say 20 things and hope they stick. It was like, I'm going to say a few things in a clear narrative. It's just like way more palatable, and I think way less up in the clouds. Yeah, and I not, wonder... <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say not in like a... I just think some people watch that movie, and they're like, I got it. And I don't... I just I just felt like it was so up its own ass. Mm-hmm. That I couldn't appreciate it. I wonder if it was the Spike Jones influence of being John. Maybe like in the same did... way of Moneyball. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then they did adaptation too, which is a a great movie, I think, and it's mm-hmm. also a little more focused. Never seen it. It's good, mm-hmm. and it has Nick Cage. Oh, you mentioned that earlier. Why did you mention it earlier? Because he's really good in it. No, but you mentioned it on the podcast for something. Were we talking about Face Off? I don't think so. I don't remember. Maybe it was when I made the Joan Allen joke. Is she an adaptation? No. No. I don't know. I'm pretty sure you mentioned it earlier. I could be wrong. 
but he's good in it. And a funny story that he tells is, yeah, Spike told me to act like a normal actor for this movie, which is really difficult for me, but <laughs> I can do it. Yeah, I can if you really want. I can. I mean, I don't want to. Yeah. Well, what would you like to promote on our way out of this episode? Anything that you've seen recently or going on Has in your there life? Been anything that I've seen recently? Um, I want to promote the podcast We Explain Movies. I've never uh, heard of it. What's that about? It's these three cunts. Wow. <laughs> I hope your use of the C word doesn't cost you listeners. <laughs> Only if I don't use it in the description. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Uh, it's your podcast. That is so funny. And you guys, you guys explain the movies. And it's really fun and funny. And I finally have listened to every single episode. Yay! Last time you were on my show, I hadn't, and now I have. Yeah, true. And to toot my horn a little bit, your most recent episode, I was on it. It was a very funny episode. Yeah, and I was I was worried that I was going to sound <laughs> like a pretentious edgelord, and I thought I sounded pretty funny. I, yeah, I do too. Courtney, sometimes I'm like, I mean, obviously we're all hilarious, but sometimes I'm <laughs> like, thank you for making us look good, you yeah. know? Cutting out when I say something stupid or mean <laughs> and making me sound smart and nice. As for things movie-wise I want to recommend, uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all cool. I got. But, Kayleen, thank you for taking the wheel on this one and yeah. doing your work. Thank you. This is going to be a little something to look forward to, but the next time Kayleen and I are going to collaborate... We're going to be tackling the Terminator franchise. Yes. I think. Because I think we have a lot to say about it. I think so too. And it's like close to us. It deeply offended us where it tried to go. Yeah. But it, it's not going to be a complete shit fest. We're yeah. Gonna, we're going to start with the good. And, and we're then... going to like try to actually understand what's going on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do diagrams. We're going to yeah. draw, draw pictures. Charts. But Kayleen, thank you for, thank you for spending your evening Yes, doing this. Thank it was you. a lot of fun. For letting me host. Oh yeah. You're the super serious movie woman. Yes. Goodbye.